Cross, cutting edge conversations with the Quant community. Hello and welcome to the first Quantcast of 2019. Um, just like last year, uh, it's me, Mauro Cesar, and Nasneen Sharif here, hosting interviews with the authors of Risk Cutting Edge Papers. Hi, Nasneen. Hi, everyone. Our guests today are Chris Kenyon, very well known to the industry and uh, risk readers, also for having published very uh, many research papers on our pages. Um, he's the head of XVA Quant Modeling and at MUFG Securities. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hey, very well, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. And we have Morad Berawi, who is uh, head of counterparty credit risk modeling and Lloyds Banking Group. Hi, Morad. Good to have you here. Hi, How are you? Hi, hi, everyone. Thank you very much. So you two, uh, together with Benjamin Ponset, co-author a paper titled Counterparty Trading Limits Revisited from PFE to PFL. The paper can be seen in Risk February online and Risk.net, together with uh, the introduction that Nasneen wrote. In it, as the title suggests, you propose replacing PFE, uh, the potential future exposure, as a measure for uh, credit risk limits with what you call potential future loss or PFL. In fact, you introduce a couple of more measures, but we can see that in detail later. Uh, now, before going into those details uh, of uh, PFL uh, and the advantages you see in using, uh, using it, um, let's take a, a step back and look at PFE, uh, its relevance and uh, its flows. So what are the existing application of PFE in the industry and how important is it as a risk measure? So let me start. So PFE is used for setting counterparty credit lists, counterparty credit risk limits against every counterparty. So it has universal application in banking. And yeah, <coughs> something to add, uh, you know, no trade can be done without having without checking the, the capacity the capacity within the capacity of exposure within the within uh, the counterparty so basically uh, every trade need to, we need to compute the exposure and check against the limit so and there is zero zero tolerance for banks to uh, basically allow trade within uh, without basically the capacity uh, uh, capacity of the exposure within this limit so it's very important actually for banks you can see that what a credit risk limit does is exp it expresses the risk appetite of the bank to various counterparties. So it's an integral part of the overall risk management of the bank precisely because it, expre it expresses the bank's risk appetite. So it's one of the limits that filters down from the statement at board level to statements at desk level, counterparty level, and so forth. That's interesting. So in your paper, um, what you say is that PFE is not necessarily a good measure for uh, making these comparisons across counterparties and seniorities for setting risk limits. Why is that? The basic thing you need to be able to do to compare risk limits is if you have two numbers you want to know which is bigger. So if you have a PFE number for one counterparty and a PFE number for another counterparty you don't actually know which represents bigger risk because 
the actual loss that will happen on default is the exposure multiplied by the loss given default, and PFE only looks at the exposure. So, um, I mean, apart from comparisons, you know, what makes it, it you know, an insufficient risk measure today? So, um, you know, you can't make comparisons. So how do risk managers compensate for those issues um, at the moment? Do they make any kind of subjective adjustments? So uh, credit risk officers are generally very careful, so they, and they will have a deep knowledge of the, of the counterparties together with the relationship managers. So what they do is they bring all this knowledge and this awareness of what they think the recoveries will be into the setting of the PFE limits. So it is set with the appreciation of the details of the counterparty. This is basically this is translated in terms of the numbers of the uh, of credit limits. So basically, if uh, uh, for the same for the, for the two different counterparty different sectors, you, you might find that the limit is lower for one sector to another because of the LGD. Somehow the LGD 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 is uh, is higher or lower. So th this is basically the expertise the expertise uh, of the credit officer to set limit. Uh, taking into account this basic missing factor in the PFE, which is basically the LGD. The problem that this obviously gives is that if you are trying to monitor how the risk appetite has been translated towards the individual counterparties, you can't tell because you're missing one of the numbers. So you, you have published this paper uh, for introducing this new measure. Um, so PFL could you tell us what it is, how you calculate it, and uh, how it works, how to read the information from it? It's uh, expected shortfall above a quantile multiplied by LGD, or loss given default. So what we're doing is we're saying we are taking the expectation of the loss above a quantile. And when I say expectation of the loss, loss means exposure multiplied by loss given default. So we have captured both of the key aspects. And these really are key aspects because the loss given default or the recovery rate can vary hugely between sectors and even between counterparties and even within a counterparty when you have different seniorities. So to take an example that's in the paper, the median recovery during the savings and loans crisis in the United States was 1%. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, public finance initiatives where there's typically a lot of solid assets around, so the loss given default can be really very small. So loss given default of, you know, maybe even, you know, 20, 30% would not be uh, unusual. Whereas the loss given default of in the savings and loan was 99%. So massive difference. So if you don't have that multiplier in your risk limit, then of course you will have put it in there through your skill in adding it, but it's completely not transparent. And, and sometimes as well within the same counterparty where, for example, you have a, you have different netting set with, for example, you trade a swap with some 
some collateral, cash collateral, or maybe uh, or physical collateral make basically uh, make basically the the the, the netting set basically uh, LGD uh, LGD is lower because of this physical collateral. It can happen as well basically if you change the swap, for example, with this, if uh, the swap is super senior in the in the waterfall uh, compared to the other the other trade, make basically this netting set within same counterparty uh, having like lo lower uh, LGD. So. That's make make a big difference. Uh, introducing the LGD within the same counterparty as well can make a big difference. The the problem comes when, for example, you're trading against one netting set and the risk limit is full, and you want to move some of the risk limit from the other netting set across. Now, at the moment with PFE, it's not obvious how to do this because you don't have the recovery rates of the different. Uh, Netting sets. So, in, so in technical terms, it's the limit is not fungible. You can't move from A to B, and again, that's a, a problem, which is solved by uh, PFL because it just includes uh, the L the LGD. So you have the two key numbers for determining the expected loss above a quantile. Yeah, so just sometimes what strikes me actually a bit is it's unreasonable to see to uh, people think about CBA without LGD, but people think it's uh, it's reasonable to have a PFE without LGD, which should be exactly the same thing. So this is what's, what's what kind of I find it a bit unreasonable actually to think about PFE without LGD, whereas we think it's normally it's reasonable to have it for the CBA. So, so. It you listed the number of flows that uh, PFE has, and uh, on, in the paper you actually uh, detail some more. Uh, but is the industry aware? Has it been aware for a while uh, uh, about this, or uh, or not? And uh, is this idea uh, your solution, the first one to try to solve this problem, or has has there been a debate? Has there been a debate going on for a while? I don't think it's come into focus in quite this way before before our paper, but a lot of credit officers have been questioning, especially, especially have been questioning PFE, especially in the light of initial margin of uncleared initial margin, because what they can see is that the PFE number goes down a lot, and then they say, but. What aren't we seeing? And again, that's something that PFL solves because it takes the expected loss above a quantile. So if your PFL is zero, you can relax because you know that you haven't missed anything. You have actually integrated all, all of the tail. So that's one reason why credit officers have started to look at the problem again. But this, the difficulties with PFE turn up quite regularly with, uh, in, you know, in normal day-to-day -to -day business. The example of one credit limit being full and wanting to move credit limit across is quite common. The sort of comparison between counterparties comes up a lot when you're trying to say, well, how have I expressed my risk appetite? And also, if you're an executive and you say, I want a dashboard to show me how I'm using my limits, and then you see lots of different limits, and the next question is, okay, I've got a dashboard with 
lots of different PFE limits and their usage against different counterparties, but where's my risk? And without the additional factor of the loss given default, then the dashboard is is really, really not not very useful. So it turns up both at the executive level and at the day-to-day trading level. So the um, assessment of the overall risk limit, uh, do you think it's um, quite subjective in the sense that the approach towards that could vary from institution to institution? So the limit that you set depends on the risk appetite of the institution. So if institutions have different risk appetites, they will set different limits. So that, you might say, is an expression of the business model of of the institution. So it's quite normal for them to be different at different institutions. Okay. So how do you think PFL can um, improve the um, credit risk monitoring and limit setting process at banks? The first thing it gives you is comparability. So you can actually now build a dashboard for an executive and they can see their risk in a way that that they can compare different numbers on the same dashboard. That's one way you have comparability across counterparties. You can understand how your risk appetite is being put into practice. And then at the day-to-day level, if you have... uh, filled up one limit, then it gives you fungibility across limits between different netting sets. And then the other thing that is happening both in the past couple of years and in the next, uh, in this year and next year, is the wider adoption of initial margin. So this means that people are signing a lot more CSAs than they have in the past. And so, the, and so one of the natural questions is, I have just signed a CSA, what should I do with my limit? And normally, if you have a PFE, then you will change your limit. And, and then the question is, do you change it up or down? Now, all things being equal, you, have, you would expect recovery to go down when, you, when an institution is signing CSAs because their assets are going to be drawn out through the CSAs in the event of uh, default. So the bit that isn't covered by the CSA will have less recovery because there'll be less assets behind it. So you would, you would expect your, PF, your PFE limit to change, whereas your PFL, you know, that's the expected loss. You've, you've incorporated the change in recovery rate, so you know, it's still your expected loss. Does what the loss distribution, the loss dis- distribution beyond the quantile that the PFE is not capturing, and it's captured basically through the, the through the expected shortfall is one added value of the PFL compared to compared to the PFE. And uh, I mean, I've been discussing with a lot of uh, quant in the, in the city, and many, many, many of them discuss, are thinking about uh, SRS PFE as a way how to tackle this issue about, uh, uh, you know, this uh, inter- uh, the side effect of the IM 
and the netting of cash flow and uh, collateral. And but the, as we we we, we when, we, when we, we look at, at it, we what we found out that the stressed PFE is not going to solve what BFE is solving. Basically, the comparability that just Christian mentioned right now. So I think th there is no other alternative than to the replacement of PFE uh, than the PFL because. Even the stress PFE that people, a lot of quant are thinking of is not going to solve the, all the problems. On the CBA calculation, um, can PFL help improving it? I think the direction of flow is, in, is the other way around because CVA is just a straight expectation of loss, whereas PFL is a tail risk controller. So I would say that you can put the effect of this, the losses you've already put through P&L into changing your limit, your limits, whether they are PFE or PFL. But certainly with PFL, it is more natural because you're talking about actual losses. The logic is very simple. If you've already lost money, why have you not changed your limit? Because the money's because that's the, not the additional loss you're willing to have, but the total loss. So, um, how difficult do you think it'll be for the um, credit risk industry to shift to this new measure? Because, um, you know, in the case of market risk, you know, it was it was a regulatory push from, uh, you know, value risk to expected shortfall, and we still haven't quite completely made that transition yet. I think it will be very simple because in order to calculate PFE, you have to do a simulation anyway, so you have all the paths. So you can calculate the expected shortfall just as easily as you can calculate uh, the, the quantile. So then you say, well, where do I get the recovery rate from? Well, you already have the recovery rate because you're using it in CVA, so you have the two numbers you need. And I, th I think the two other challenges I'm seeing actually on the application of this PFL is how to translate a risk appetite, which is basically coming from PFL, PFE mindset to PFL mindset. It's a, this is one, one challenge. And the second challenge basically on training the credit officer, that they, are, they were trained basically uh, with have, having the mindset of the PFE. So basically pushing them to uh, think about PFL, that can be, can be uh, some, can, can basically raise cap, some, some challenge in the application. But I completely agree with the case from from the, from the system system perspective. It's quite easy because the paths are there, so it's e easy to move from expect from a quantile to expected shortfall. But this is a, the two challenge I'm foreseeing basically for the application of the PFL. For PFL to work, I'm saying, should it be adopted by the whole industry? Uh, because if only some banks would adopt it and others don't. There will be any discrepancies in the market, or can it be that some banks adopt it and some stick with PFE? There's no regulatory reporting involved here, so an institution can adopt it independently of all other institutions, and the reasons for adoption are exactly those reasons that for why PFL is uh, an advance on PFE that now you can actually compare the numbers 
and you and if you see a very low number you can trust that there's nothing hiding and um, so this um, ease with which he can transition to the new measure uh, would, would it work the same way for um, you know smaller regional banks because we have heard in the past in the case of expected shortfall that it was uh, you know, quite complicated for them to move their systems to be able to, you know, start calculating on the basis risk on the basis of expected shortfall. I mean, if you think yeah. about the question, how much you pre how much you prepared to lose in the tail against your counterparties, that's a much clearer business question than how much ex how much exposure I'm, am I willing to take. Because the business person asks, okay, you've said exposure, but how much money am I going to lose? And that's, where PF, and that's what PFL is answering. So I would say it's also something that is adapted for smaller banks because it is aligned with the business, in, with the business questions. Fair enough. Um, okay, so uh, maybe we can uh, go for a more general question. Um, so um, over the next one or two years, um, what areas of research will you be working on? Is it a similar topic or something entirely different? Uh, I think the, yeah. the regulatory topics, I think it will be like uh, yeah. the main focus for us. I mean, when I say regulatory yeah. topics, I would say soccer is one of them. Yep. And FLCB, CVS, so we have a couple of ideas, etc., etc. So we're working basically on, on this area. As well as XVA, we still basically uh, a lot of things need to be done. Or, I mean, we, we see we're seeing like the MVA, like a lot of complexity in the calculation, etc., etc. So, there's a lot of improvement can be made in this area. What uh, specifically about the regulation? You know, what aspects will you be focusing on? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting question. I mean. Uh, um, one of them, I mean, uh, one of them is uh, the, the 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 issues around you know the uh, the cycle in itself, uh, the issues with uh, the application of the cycle, the issues the issues around it, whether whether we can we can make some. I know that you know the soccer is 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 under under and still under under is is a kind of deadlock between the regulator and the banks. And we hope that we can contribute, contribute in uh, in basically uh, uh, clarifying couple of issues around it. So, so just like the netting, margin yeah. netting issues. <laughs> yeah, one of them. Fair enough. How, how about you, Chris? So XVA is is my main focus, yeah. and I've also got uh, a secondary hat at the moment in terms of artificial intelligence. So I'll be pursuing both angles. Interesting, interesting. Hopefully, we'll hear more about that in forms of papers. Um, well, Chris, uh, Mora, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you here, and uh, thank you. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Bye, everyone.